Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Romans 2 You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, but glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you, then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonour God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, 
nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. There will be wrath. The Bible is very honest in acknowledging a soul-crushing flaw in creation. Ecclesiastes and Job's put a magnifying glass up to the agony of injustice in this life. Bad people often do better. Even good people, like Abraham or David, can do very bad things. Being human is more than annoying. The Old Testament's prophets saw no easy solution to this, but they promised a fix would one day come from God's own hand. They named this fix the wrath of God. This wrath would release God's decisive no to all injustice. This wrath would compensate all who had suffered from injustice. It would hold to account those who had caused the injustice and it would remove every potential source of future injustice in the world. Or, in more poetic language, justice would roll like a river across the land, even seeping into every long-forgotten loss of the dead, carrying rebuke and restitution along in its flow. Paul wholeheartedly affirms this doctrine. But then he takes this truth to its terrifying conclusion. If every potential source of future injustice needs to be removed, then God's wrath needs not only to tackle big and obvious wrongs, but also every secret instance of stubbornness or sin. The unnoticed lie of a parent does injustice to the child deprived of the truth and can yield painful fruit for generations to come. The stealing of stationery by an employee subtly subverts trust as essential to human relationship. Lustful looks at a lady may not be spotted, but they have already turned her from a creature of God into a commodity for my glee. So the wrath must come. It's like trying to remove an infection from a fish tank. Not only must the very visible causes of the problem be dealt with, but to safeguard the lives of the fish, Every slightest hint of future infection must be thoroughly cleaned up and removed. And so Paul wants you to be honest with yourself. He wants you to look in the mirror, and even though you've done many beautiful and wonderful things, he wants you to admit that for the future of the world, the wrath of God needs to do its work on you. This is tough food, but... In the coming chapters, there are miracles in store where we discover how the necessary wrath is taken by Jesus and not by us. But we can only receive these miracles when we acknowledge the necessity of the wrath of God. Here's a question for reflection. Can you acknowledge the necessity of the wrath of God? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. 
For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.